Miami could just shoot themselves in their mediocre foot and just continue to be mediocre for the rest of their life because. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. We are your hosts, Nathan and Nick. How's your new year been, Nick? New year is starting out pretty well. Eagles are soaring high, and i am always been the pessimist for them, but I think the flight may be short-lived, but we'll see when we get to our picks on that. Black Monday has just occurred, and we have lots of shifts and changes going on in the NFL landscape, so that's where we're going to go into first. We're going to look at the changes, or first we're going to look at the firings, and then we're going to have Nathan project the potential coaches that will take over these teams in the coming months. So let's go ahead and start off with the first firing we heard about. We'll get to Urban and Gruden's teams here in a bit. But we're going to start off with the first firing coming out of week 18 here with Vic Fangio from the Denver Broncos being fired. Nathan, what were your thoughts about Vic being shown the pink slip here? Uh, very predictable. It was one of the ones we predicted uh, last last episode. So this guy, I think, probably was there longer than probably what he should have been. Um, and I think Denver needs to kind of go in the offensive direction, in my opinion, at the head coaching position, especially in that division that they play in very offensive heavy. So um, not surprised. And um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I completely agree. He had tons of talent there and not to beat too much on it since we hit on the last episode, but you had tons of defensive talent and offensively your receivers, tight ends and running backs were very good. Just quarterback play could never quite get together. And just the seasons always came out underwhelming. And John Elway has shown he's not afraid to move on from people that are not going to produce the caliber that they're hoping for. Hence why they've had so many head coaches since Peyton Manning has retired and so on. So Nathan, now that we've kind of gave our quick thoughts on the Broncos, who do you think they're going to go with for this next coaching hire? I'm very confident in this pick, and here's why. This is a guy that he had success in Detroit, I felt like, and he was fired there. Um, he's a very, very good coach. And he started his, I think, his NFL career in Indianapolis coaching, being the quarterback coach when the uh, Colts won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. And then he ended up being the head coach there, took over as head coach. He went 14-2 and two one year in Indy. And so I think he was the head coach the year that they lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl, I think. And then he got fired there and he got hired by Detroit. And he, I thought he did very well in Detroit, given the fact that it was Detroit. But um, this guy hasn't been coached since then. And with the ties to Peyton Manning and some rumors about Peyton Manning in Denver, um, and I think this guy really deserves a head coaching job, Jim Caldwell. 
next head coach at Denver. Plus, I just said they need someone offensive, not defense. They've been doing defense here lately. That's a division that's just such a high-powered offense with these offensive coaches. Um, obviously, Andy Reid. Um, and then Staley's very young offensive mind. Um, right. And then who knows about the Raiders, but you know, they're clearly very offensive, uh, oriented. So I got Jim Caldwell going to Denver and I, I really like this pick. I, I, I like the confidence I have in this pick. I think Caldwell was shortchanged in what he was able to do. He, he definitely showed some promise with Detroit. If he gets a chance in Denver, there could be lots of good things that happen there. So excellent job on that. Let's go ahead and move on to the next firing we heard at the end of week 18. Again, we'll jump back to the other two teams that made their decisions way earlier than that. But the next team that we heard about making the firing, I believe, was the Chicago Bears firing Matt Nagy. Again, another one we saw coming along the line. Nathan, what were your thoughts on the final decision of that? Uh, Once again, not surprised. Uh, A guy that I felt like probably should have got fired last year. They gave it one more chance to the rookie quarterback. Just an utter failure. Um and uh and so this um i i don't like i said i you said we're gonna i'll predict predict the new coach in a bit here but they they need someone they need someone really good here because this franchise is itching badly and they feel like they have their franchise quarterback so they really need to capitalize here on that replacement yeah the time they've held on to Nagy, who you think for that or who was who was the reason why he was able to stay as long as he was. It could be a number of things that you could point to, but him giving another chance with a rookie quarterback, there is one of two things that are going to happen. They were just kind of doing it as a formality where you got the outcome we ended up with, with him being fired, or it was genuine thought that he was going to be able to develop this young quarterback in Justin Fields and see some promise and success. I mean, for a quarterback to come into a franchise that, the Bears, yes, they made the playoffs, but it wasn't a very convincing way of making the playoffs. It, Nathan and I were just never high on the Bears coming in, so this was more of a act of, we're going to give you another chance to see what we can do, but albeit for nothing, because he didn't even show that he had much faith in fields at first, and then injuries just plagued him and Dalton, so he was playing tag with them the whole time, and it's a good time to try to move on in the NFC North, it appears. So who do you think will replace Nagy with the Chicago Bears, Nathan? This breaks my heart, but it's going to be Brian Flores. They need someone defensive, in my opinion, up there. Uh, They tried the offensive-minded Matt Nagy, and before that they tried that CFL coach that was super offensive-minded. Just It's not working in Chicago. It's that Midwest, knit grit, just down-to-earth culture they need a defensive mind and that's what brian flores brings he had one of the top defenses in the league in miami um and he will bring that he'll have Cleo mack um and a plethora of defensive players on that team and then of course he gets a, a young quarterback in justin fields um with i think really good weapons around him so um, as long as he brings with him a good offensive coordinator a good quarterbacks coach I think he could have a lot of success there. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where Mr. Flores ends up. We'll we'll talk about him in a moment here because I, I know you have plenty of ammunition for that. Staying in the same division because the next coach we heard was that happened to be in this division is Mike Zimmer. Again, this happened. To, we went three of four out of the coaches we said last week who are going to make it. He was number three. 
Mike Zimmer finally is shown the pink slip of the Minnesota Vikings after just having subpar seasons, very similar to Marvin Lewis, where he just kind of is okay, but never excels. What are your thoughts, Nathan? Mike Zimmer's press conferences got real uh, sassy, I felt like, toward the end of the year. Um, the latest one being... Um, just they asked about why you know Justin Jefferson could have the record, and he's like, I don't care about records, I care about winning. And he's like, Did you try to? Did he want to get the record? And he's like, I don't know. You're just gonna have to ask him. Very short. Just he seemed like he really didn't even care about his players, or like didn't even feel like he was proud that Justin Jefferson like almost beat Randy Moss's you know franchise record in receiving. It, it was very rude. It's like. And he was like that the last several weeks. So you knew this was going to happen. It, it almost like he wanted out and he was just kind of being a stubborn brat about it and just kind of at the press conferences, just not really caring. So um, obviously not surprising. Yeah, it just the franchise has become stagnant. Like I said, when I was introducing the coach that was fired and where he was fired, just very subpar, never overachieving, more times underachieving especially this season where there was plenty of games where they were well within it, but just management calls, decisions made. And towards the final few weeks, just some bad breaks. Um, People were put out because of protocols when you were in the hunt and it just couldn't be put together at the end. So who do you think the Vikings will go with next? I think they go offensive minded here and, um, I'm really curious with Kirk Cousins, but I think they go offensive minded. And here, I think they Minnesota jumps on this young offensive minded head coach bandwagon that a lot of teams are jumping on. Um, they're going to grab a guy that grew up in the northern parts of the states that's very familiar with that area. Um, a guy that uh, was a backup in the NFL, backup quarterback in the NFL, a guy that went to Boise State as a quarterback. And that's Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator of Dallas Cowboys. I think he finds himself up north, some more uh, hometown territory. And um, I think that kind of offensive mindset is what the Vikings need. Um, Because they got a lot of firepower on the offensive end. And I just felt like, you know, Zimmer was very defensive minded. I, I just feel like that Vikings offense, it should be way more explosive than what it is. And I think Kellen Moore could bring that. Um, to this team. Defensively, though, they still have work to do. So um, I think just like Jim Caldwell would need to, or I'm sorry, just like Brian Flores would need to bring an offensive coordinator with him. Quarterbacks coach, I think Kellen Moore would need a really bright defensive coordinator to be with him in Minnesota. But um, I think they jump on that young, offensive-minded bandwagon head coach. Yeah, and we'll see if these teams make that flip or switch there. But we're going to jump to our Two teams that I mentioned off the top who made their decisions way early, more or less their hands were forced in these situations. The Las Vegas Raiders, who find themselves in the playoff hunt, and we'll be talking more about that team here in a moment, but this question still comes. They haven't officially named a head coach. What do they do with their head coaching position, in your opinion, Nathan? Yeah, I think they're going to keep Rich uh, Basachi. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Um, the interim coach. I just know the players love this dude. Um, he's a special teams guy, and there's a lot of really good special teams guys that are head coaches, and I think the one that really pops in my head is John Harbaugh. And so uh, I, I think 
the players love him. They, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I really think they could upset the Bengals there in the first round, too. And if they, if they can win a playoff game, I don't think there's any question you keep this guy um, as the head coach, especially all that they've went through this year. It's, it's amazing um, how much they've went to and they see themselves here in the playoff. So um, as a five seed, <laughs> it's crazy. So I think they keep him. Absolutely, I agree. Um, you can't ask for a much better job week what was it, six, seven, Gruden gets fired, and Nathan and I think Rome is burning for Las Vegas. There's no way there's going to be anything managed from this. They might get that upset win from the initial thing, but then, like Nathan said, item after item, player after player getting cited or something going on with the team that they just have to keep battling back, and they just had so much grit in that Sunday night football game and just I mean, they look like they have it together right now. And you losing that guy, you'll lose your locker room and you'll have to start all over again. You'll have to go scorch earth in a sense. So, yeah, for him not to be around would be baffling, to say the least. Moving on next to the AFC South coach that has shown his pink slip early, and that would have been the Jacksonville Jaguars firing Urban Meyer, who, or we've already had our thoughts on why that happened so who do you think takes over next in jacksonville nathan uh i have uh, a guy that has been a head coach um in this league who's a coordinator right now and uh, a guy that has made it to super bowl as a head coach um and i know jacksonville wants a, someone that has uh, nfl experience which i would too after flop it on urban so this guy certainly has it he's he's been to um he's been to super bowls multiple super bowls as a coordinator he's been to super bowls as a head coach and he's got a chance to make it back to another super bowl as a coordinator and that's the defense coordinator of the cowboys and that's dan quinn um i think he finds himself getting another opportunity um as as a head coach and i think deservingly so and so i think he finds himself in jacksonville i didn't know if you're going to give some love to the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. That's yeah, that's that would be my second choice there, but I'm going Dan Quinn. Yes. And then last but certainly not least, a firing that I called for in the preseason, but it wasn't one of our four picks because we're just trying to keep it four. Surprising that they were saying they're gonna keep him, but not surprising they turned the other way and fired Joe Judge in the New York football giants. So what were your thoughts on Judge's firing, Nathan? Yeah, this was like, I was surprised and wasn't surprised. And the only reason I didn't pick him in my preseason was uh, basically because I just, it felt like things I was hearing that they were going to just stick with him and Daniel Jones for one more year. But I think with how poorly they played those last two weeks, I think, you know, the ownership was just like, okay, enough's enough. The, he's out. Um, even if it's just been two seasons, it was just too, too much and too embarrassing for them. And and just because there's some quarterbacks out on the market right now that they could get, and they are a big market, I think they felt a new face of this franchise is probably best to maybe potentially help attract um, those quarterbacks. So thinking back on it now, it's like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um, Judge was one I probably felt the strongest in NFC East because that's the division where my favorite team, the Eagles, play in. He was that was a team I felt like was definitely on the hottest seat coming into the season. Spent a lot of money trying to procure offensive talent to put around Daniel Jones. At times early in the season, they looked like they had moments they put it together. But like you said, that last month, month and a half, it was just 
abysmal. And that was before Daniel Jones went down. Once he went down, the wheels were off. Everything was wrong. It was horrid. So with that vacancy being, like you said, in a big market, who do the New York Giants look to be their next head coach, Nathan? I think they go offensive-minded here. Uh, and I, I really think Daniel Jones is a, a good quarterback. Um, he's very, he reminds me of Ryan Tannehill in so many different ways and very similar stories actually between those two and how they're drafted and kind of where they're at and how their careers are going. So honestly, I want to get rid of him. I would try to pick up that fifth option, Daniel Jones and give him with a new uh, coach, see how it works and an offensive minded coach, an offensive minded coach with. You know, they really do have a lot of talent there, wide receiver. They got, they were injured a lot. And I know it's like, it's not fair just because Daniel Jones was out the rest of the year and they just kind of flopped. So I really think this is a team that if they get the right chemistry and stay healthy and a good coach, I think could, you know, really fight for a wild card seed next year. And I'm going to go with a guy that's been rumored to be a head coach throughout this league for so many years. Um, part of the. Andy Retreat, that's Eric Bienemy. Sorry for I don't know how to pronounce his last name there, but uh, it's a guy that we all think is going to get a head coaching job sooner rather than later. And I think he's a guy and bringing his offensive guru to New York is kind of what they need, make it a little bit more flashy over there. I was thinking he was going to go to Denver, but I was like, nah, he's not going to stay within the same division. So I think he goes to the NFC and, and gives his first gig with the Giants. Absolutely, and we'll see how these transpire as the weeks go on, days, weeks, hours. However, quick, these teams want to move on them, especially when several of these individuals are still in the playoff race as of now. So you have to seek permission and everything like that. When those changes happen, I know fan bases can get excited or scoff at them, but we'll see how it goes. But I just got to say, whoever lands Brian Flores, you will be sitting pretty. Any thoughts on that, Nathan? Oh, I have lots of thoughts on that. So Miami won back, had 20 seasons back-to-back years for the first time in 20 years. Now, of course, they just fell short of the playoffs those two times, which is obviously very unfortunate. But to overtake a franchise run by probably the worst head coach in the history of football, Adam Gase, to turn it around in a year and go back-to-back winning seasons like, is a superb accomplishment. So I don't think anyone can doubt that, including our owner. And I think there's a lot of maybe internal issues going on. And I've heard some reports that uh, back in 2019, when Brian Flores was first hired, um, his his first year, uh, they went five and 11. And Stephen Ross was telling him, the owner was telling him to tank uh, for Joe Burrow towards the end of the year. And Brian Flores basically said, I will not be tanking. Probably some French in there. And won a game against Cincinnati Bengals towards the end of the year, which basically sealed Cincinnati to get Joe Burrow. But anyways, we had a chance to get other great quarterbacks in that draft that we decided not to get. Um, Justin Herbert. And Brian Flores supposedly reports say wanted Justin Herbert over Tua, but was told by people above him, we are getting Tua. And so Brian Flores at Tua and you know obviously we had the whole dilemma with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua playing the year before worked out pretty well they went 10 and 6 barely missed the playoff but I think that kind of showed like maybe Brian Flores wasn't sold on Tua but then this year he was their quarterback he had his ups and downs but here's the thing when you are um let's say rumored to be traded for the first entire first half of the season 
and not only traded, but be traded for uh, a guy that has 22 pending lawsuits. That's not going to do very, um, very much good to your confidence and to your support and loyalty to that team. So am I surprised they lost seven straight games? Absolutely not. And am I surprised that the day after the trade deadline, they go eight and one. They went eight of the last nine games, and the only game they lost was to the number one team in the AFC. No, I'm not surprised because that's the sort of team we all thought we were going to get this year. But because, you know, this franchise is run by, I don't know, people that don't really care about the well-being of their employees and just basically say you're going to be traded um, for a criminal, it's probably not a very smart idea. On top of all of this, there's a lot of slack to a guy for not being a team captain. But there was also a report out that said he actually declined the team captain even when he was voted team captain because he thought Deshaun Watson was going to come in and replace him. So that just shows how much that um, franchise really trusts their employees and really trusts the people that they have. Miami could just shoot themselves in their mediocre foot and just continue to be mediocre for the rest of their life because you just get rid of the wrong guys every stinking year. Three years ago, you got rid of Ryan Tannehill. What does he do? Oh, he goes to Tennessee as a backup. They start two and four. He takes over, wins. He goes uh, eight and two to be a wild card seed and beat the Patriots in the first round. That's year one. Year two, what does he do? Oh, he just wins his division. Not, no big deal. Big deal. Year three, what does he do? Oh, he's the number one seed in the conference. Oh, and by the way, not even with a running back that. Everyone said, oh, he's the reason why Tennessee is good. Well, he got hurt. He's out for the rest of the year. What does Ryan Tannehill do? Oh, no big deal. Just lead his team to the number one seed in the AFC. So let's get rid of Ryan Tannehill because he's the problem. Nope. Let's get rid of Brian Flores because he's the problem. Let me think. Uh, That's probably not a good idea. Brian Flores is the best coach Miami has ever had since Jimmy Johnson. And we just got rid of him, and he's going to go to a team, and he's going to succeed. Um and we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot and we're going to be mediocre forever because we have prideful ownership, prideful people who just micromanage this team, who need to stay out of the football business and stick with just the money business of this franchise and let the people that know football coach football and run that football organization. Oh, well, we will continue to be, be mediocre. Our ownership wants the next Dan Marino at quarterback. We're not going to get the next Dan Marino. Okay, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You got to be happy with what you have because the grass isn't always greener. Tennessee Titans is happy with what they have, and now they're the number one seed in the AFC. If only we were just like that. Same thing with our coaching. We want the next Don Shuler. We want the next Jimmy Johnson. Brian Flores is a fantastic young coach, and we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot, probably like how Cleveland did when they let Bill Belichick go. Um, and then he goes on and runs a fantastic franchise for 20 plus years so i don't think saying brian Flores is going to be that good but he was under the bill belichick tree so you never know so anyways i'm livid i'm mad um and i'm sorry to all my dolphins fans out there i know not one of you out there agrees with this firing um i think we all i think a lot of us agree that maybe tua isn't the the guy for the next 10 years but he certainly was our guy this year and we're pretty upset that this team did not rally around him well this team maybe did but this ownership team did not with any company when your employer doesn't appreciate you well your let's say your performance probably doesn't meet expectations to them because you have zero motivation to to work hard for them so that's the problem miami and that's why we are the mediocre franchise of the nfl nathan and i were talking before recording this episode 
it's this has to be the most universally baffling firing there was not one person dolphins fan or not thought that was the right move for them because everyone can see how this franchise is progressing and continually getting better i mean brian forlores in my opinion coached the heck out of this team to get them to where they were this season i mean like nathan said Tua was the quarterback for this season I don't think he's a long-term quarterback. I don't know how many more seasons they roll with him, depending on what opportunities come about. But you set your franchise back when you cannot manage or work with your coach. And that was one of the reports out there is that the GM and Brian Flores didn't always see eye to eye. And not seeing eye to eye, having different differing opinions can actually elevate your franchise and help it out because you don't always have to get along with the people you work with. You just need to understand that you both have the same mindset and work the best with each other. And I just feel like, like you've said multiple times, like Miami has set themselves back here and where Brian Flores heads next, there is a high probability that franchise is going to be on the road to success. Absolutely. It's just frustrating because I was, I felt like I was the only one supporting Ryan Tannehill all this time. And I was thinking, this is Adam Gase. This is an awful franchise. And, I, and I'm doing this for Daniel Jones right now. I think Daniel Jones um, can be like a Ryan Tannehill if put in the right situation. But we all want to just blame Daniel Jones. We all want to blame Ryan Tannehill. But I, I think Miami kind of realized that in the next couple of years. It's like, wait, maybe Ryan Tannehill wasn't the problem. I'm all, and I'm sitting here. I told you so. I wish we had him. So Miami, in that seven-game skid to start the season, um, when they went one and seven, three of those seven games, they lost by a last second field goal. Daniel Jones is, is to my opinion, a lot like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's just in a terrible situation and New York might um, let him go and he'll find himself as a backup quarterback somewhere that who might eventually take over and do very well if he's in the right situation. Like, I feel like I could see that path for Daniel Jones and, I just always supported Ryan Tannehill. I'm, I'm not a guy that likes to buy NFL jerseys, but I was yay close to buying Ryan Tannehill jersey because I really thought he was a really good football player and be there for a very long time. Now I need to buy one for Tennessee because he's a really good football player and he's going to be in Tennessee for a very long time. So it's just very frustrating to me. And we lost three games this year by, on a last-second field goal. Three games. We finished the season 9-8. If we, if we win those games, we're 12-5. and five. What does 12-5 and five get you? The number one seed in the AFC. Now, of course, I know other teams probably lost a few games by last second field goal. So if they won those set of losses, you know, the situation could be different. I'm just speaking for Miami. But I guarantee one thing. If Tua had the C on his chest, was voted team captain, didn't feel threatened that Deshaun Watson was going to take him over. We had a team that supported him and loved him and cared for him. And even though we didn't didn't know what the future held, but we just knew he was our quarterback this year, they would have won those three games. They would have done way better in that seven-game skit because they lost to Atlanta. They lost to Jacksonville. Like, come on. Like, they're better than those teams. But because of the noise, because of everything happening, they lost to them. So those are wins easily, right? They lost to the Raiders in overtime. And, and the, the Falcons, they were winning. And then they let them go down the field in a minute and kick last-second field goal. Like, it's just they can't take these games back. And it's just all in the midst of this Deshaun Watson crap. And it all went away when eight of nine. They could have been a number one. And I'm not exaggerating. They could have been the number one seed in the AFC if this whole Deshaun Watson thing didn't happen. And Tua got to wear the C on his chest, on his jersey, because he felt wanted. And I have, and I know Tua is a, probably a bottom 10 quarterback, starting quarterback in this league. And we could have been the number one seed in the AFC. 
Like, that's how good Brian Flores is. And we let him go. So, anyways, we have to pick a replacement in Miami. I just want to start a petition right now and say bring Brian Flores back and we hire him back. But, obviously, that's not going to happen. So, I can't believe I'm saying this, Nick. I can't believe I'm saying this. But guess who is going to be the next Miami head coach? Doug Peterson. Doug Flippin' Peterson is. And they're going to go after Jim Harbaugh hard. Don't get me wrong. But Jim Harbaugh is ultimately going to stay in Michigan. But that I think that's Miami's first choice is Jim Harbaugh. And they're going to go after him. And I wouldn't mind getting Jim Harbaugh. I really wouldn't mind. But they're going to get Doug Peterson at the end of the day. The former Super Bowl winner. And here's why. Here's why, And here's why I want to be super sad about it. Even though I really want Brian Flores. I won't be super sad about this. Doug Peterson took mediocre quarterbacks and won a Super Bowl. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I need to know. He's the perfect job for Miami right now. If you can take mediocre quarterbacks, if you can take a backup quarterback and win a Super Bowl, okay, I'll, I'll, I think I want you in Miami. So that's all we need. Doug Peterson, come on to Miami. I will say he did turn out pretty well the first few seasons. That last one, a lot of contention, to say the least, but hopefully that works out for you if that's the way they end up going. Now, moving on from the coaching firings, we're going to look at the teams that are sitting in the limelight here this coming weekend, this wild card weekend. We're going to make our picks for the NFL playoff games going on this. We're going to look at the six games this week and try to make our picks to see which way they're going to go with the spread. Are they going to have teams cover or we're going to have teams fulfilling their uh, are we gonna have teams covering or the picks gonna go the other way so let's go ahead and start with the first game of this nfl playoff season we're gonna have the las vegas raiders going against the cincinnati Bengals. right now the line is at six points in cincinnati's favor nathan what is your pick for this game yeah um i got i got this on a five and a half but six is even better because i'm picking the raiders uh plus six here i think they i think they have a shot to win this game i really really do this is going to be a battle this is going to be a dog fight um since i know cincinnati looked hot there at the end but that's that's they're hot and then they're cold and and i feel like they're on a little high right now i think that could hurt them <laughs> to be honest so um raiders they have a chip on their shoulder they they know they shouldn't be here they know this season should have been a, a waste. They know they should have probably finished four and 13, but they're here. And Cincinnati, I think is a little full of themselves a little bit. And I think they're going to get humbled. Um, probably who will get coach of the year is going to get out coached by an interim special teams coach, which is going to be laughable. Um, I think Raiders could win this game. I, I honestly have Raiders winning 25, 23. So I'm going to pick Raiders plus six. Interesting rematch here. Nearly two months ago, the teams played each other where the Bengals won 32-13 in Las Vegas. But I feel like you were saying a team that's really rallied around each other. So they have a lot of things working in their favor with the Raiders. But the question becomes, do you have emotional exhaustion from that Chargers game? I feel like the Bengals end up squeaking it out and get their first playoff win since text messaging became a thing back in 1992, all you youngins. I think the Bengals win, but I don't think they go over the six points. I think it's going to be a tighter game than that. It's going to be close, but I think the Raiders cover that spread of six points. Yeah, I think both of these teams are actually both coming off a very emotional win. 
Um, Cincinnati beating Kansas City, I think, was just as an emotional win as Vegas beating the Chargers. Yeah, I, this this should be a great game. The Bengals do not win by six points. It's going to be closer than that. So Raiders cover. Moving on to our Saturday night football game, we have the New England Patriots visiting the Buffalo Bills. What are you seeing here, Nathan? Another tight game. I honestly, I am back and forth on who I think is going to win this game. I, I really am. Uh, Buffalo tends to just play everyone super, super close that first round of the playoff. And I, I don't think this is any exception. And they're going to play Bill Belichick in the playoff. Like, that's not going to be anything easy. Now, I know they beat him pretty easily the last time they played him. And I know Bill Belichick has kind of struggled with Josh Allen. But this is playoff Bill Belichick. This is New England Bill Belichick. This is our New England, a playoff New England team. And this is a Buffalo team that just, like I said, the last couple of years with Josh Allen, they just struggled in that first round. So I think this is a, t- a, a game that it whoever wins is not more than three points. It's not. And I think it's going to be whoever has the ball last will be able to go down and kick a last-second field goal to win it. That, I, that to me, is what this game is going to come down to. So seeing a four-and-a-half-point spread, I have to pick New England four-and-a-half points here because – Whoever wins this game is not going to be by more than three, in my opinion. So to be safe, I'm going to pick New England four and a half plus four and a half. Yeah, I also have four and a half here, and uh, there's not much more I can add. With a Bills team that only loves the run when it's Josh Allen running it, it appears, whether that's his call or otherwise, uh, this game is going to be tight-knit. It's going to be cold, and that plays more so to the style of ball that New England wants to play. They want to play that gritty, grind just bruiser type of football game where the Bills want to be high-flying and cold weather doesn't always lend itself to that. Let's say the Bills can't overcome that. Josh Allen will take off running and make things happen. The four and a half does seem too high. I do think the Bills ultimately win it. I just, Mac Jones and his off his receiving core, I just don't think will be enough, If the, especially if the Bills get up early. I think the Bills will win, but I don't think it's more than four and a half as well. I think the Patriots cover. Moving on to our Sunday schedule. The first game for our Sunday schedule is the Philadelphia Eagles visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll go ahead and start this one off. The line's at eight and a half. Tampa Bay covers. Tampa Bay will win this game. They will put Jalen Hurts in position he doesn't want to be in. They will pass early, get up early, where the Eagles' offensive strength and running will not be well suited because the Bucks know that's what they want to do. They don't want to pass. So the Bucks will do everything they can early on, shut that down, and then get up big time. So I do believe that the Buccaneers end up covering that eight and a half and winning that. What are you seeing, Nathan? Yeah, I uh I agree here. Um but here's the thing though. Tom Brady against NFC East in his playoff career is not very good. He's one and three um, obviously, the three losses of Super Bowls, but just so you know, they barely beat Washington that first round last year, and that was the closest game they played that entire playoff, including the Super Bowl. Was the what seven and nine or whatever they were? Uh, so yeah, seven and nine Washington football team losing record that won that division, and they struggled with them. So there's something with Tom Brady and NFC East teams. Like I don't know what it is, but it clearly he's historically has struggled with so philadelphia nfc east is a little concerning but here's the problem 
Philadelphia really showed who they really were last week against Dallas. Yikes. And this is the first time Tom Brady gets to play the NA NFC East team at home. All these other times were either at a neutral field or on the road. So I think he doesn't have his struggles here. I think Tampa Bay handles this game easily 34-17. Tampa Bay covers the eight and a half points. Just a side note, not the right their eulogy or whatever, but Philadelphia definitely overachieved this season. They have done great knowing what who they are, sticking to that identity. Just I I don't think there's enough pieces there to be a, a great playoff team. You did a great job of making the playoffs, but unfortunately I think the ride stops here. Last week then play many of your starters, but I don't know that that changes the outcome very much. Moving on to the other NFC East team that made it is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the San Francisco 49ers. The line is at three points. Man, this game is going to be a very good game, which, I mean, when you go into playoff games, you're typically looking at them going, ho-hum, this is not going to be good at all. But this one could be the game of the weekend. Um, San Francisco riding just been putting together, overcoming whether they have Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo and just playing great football around um, all sides of the ball look well put together. They're not super high flying, but they're not putting themselves in terrible positions either. This game could go either way. I'm feeling strong about the Niners upsetting the Cowboys just because the Cowboys have this history of underachieving in big moments. And when your head coach is Mike McCarthy, you don't invoke a lot of confidence in me because you don't have an Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott isn't bad, but he's no Aaron Rodgers. So I have San Francisco covering whatever the spread is, three and a half, three. I'm seeing three here. Uh, San Francisco covers, and they could up. I feel like they would be, if I had a money line, they would be the one I feel the strongest about. What are you seeing, Nathan? I know everyone's. this is everyone's upset pick, and honestly, um, I probably would be on that bandwagon. Uh, because I the two teams I said, oh, they're probably going to lose in the first round, um, Arizona and Dallas. But I thought about this a little bit more. I am not sold on San Francisco. I, I'm not. I know a lot of people are. I, I just feel like this is going to be a very anticlimactic game. I really think Dallas is going to beat them up. I really do. And uh, I don't think San Francisco is that good of a team. I think they just kind of got hot there at the end to kind of just sneak on in. But I think we're going to get a San Francisco team that we've kind of been used to seeing at the beginning of the season. Uh, I know Jimmy's been playing well. I know he's in Trey Lance when he's come in, he's been, you know, carrying the load. But this Dallas team, you know, yeah, you, you've you got your good points about Mike McCarthy, but... I think they have a top three offensive coordinator and a top three defensive coordinator in the league. And Dan Quinn and Kellamore, who I've predicted both will be getting head coaching jobs next year. So I like Dallas here to cover the three points. So I'm glad we finally disagree on something. I just think this is going to be a very anticlimactic game. Everyone wants San Francisco to win. Everyone thinks this is a, here's the upset. Let's pick this little hot underdog. I think Dallas could be like, yeah, we got Micah Parsons. We got uh, Trevon Diggs. Um, we got CD uh, Lamb. We got we got Dak. We got um, Zeke Elliott. You know, yeah, this isn't happening. So I like Dallas here. All right. 
Now moving on to our Sunday night football game where the Pittsburgh Steelers go against the Kansas City Chiefs, a matchup we saw a couple of weeks ago where lots of Pittsburgh fans want to forget very quickly. The line is at 12 and a half. What I have, Nathan, what are you seeing for this game? Yeah, I'm seeing a game that is won by uh, two touchdowns probably. Um, I I have it around 31-19. I, this is so tough. I... <laughs> I'm going to just pick Pittsburgh, the plus 12 and a half here, but this is like my lowest confidence. I really don't know what's going to happen. 12 and a half points is a lot of points, especially for a playoff game. I think Pittsburgh, they know they're not supposed to be here. And this is Big Ben, his last year. I think they're just, they're just going to, they're going to play for Ben. And I think they're just, they're going to play, like this is going to be like a 40 to 3 game or it's going to be a super duper dog fight. I really think so because they're just going to sling it and wing it and just have fun out there. I mean, Ben has a cool quoted saying that. I think they have the defensive player of the year on that team and TJ Watt, who just tied the league record for sacks. So if he, I mean, if they can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, slow this team down a little bit. And let Big Ben just have fun. Like, you never know what could happen. I'm not saying Kansas City's going to lose, but 12 and a half points against a, a Pittsburgh team that could do whatever they want. Yeah, I'll take Pittsburgh 12 and a half. The hard thing for this game is, like Nathan said, it it is easily going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be super tight-knit or it's going to be a complete and utter dismantling like it was in the regular season. Big Ben is limping along here at the end. He is doing the good fight, trying to have his last stand and everything, any superlative you can say for that last ride. But in the end, Chiefs win this. It's just what part of the line I'm going to go with. And I'm going to go over the 12 and a half. I think Kansas City is just going to send a statement. They're angry that they lost it towards the end with their loss to the Bengals. And then they did win against the Broncos once they finally woke up and I think they just stick it to the Steelers. Steelers just too many times on the offensive side of the ball just look tragic to see. It just it's hard to watch sometimes of how ineffective it is. And we watched quite a few quarterbacks who were aging last season that look like, yeah, it's definitely time for them to hang it up. And Ben is on very close to on level with what Drew Brees looked at the end of last season. Drew was hanging on by a thread. Ben's a little better than that. He's more like a cord, but Big Ben, this is it for him. Um, Good way to end the season. Thrillers towards the end to get into the playoffs, but it ends here, and I say Kansas City covers the 12 and a half. And our first ever wildcard Monday night football game where the Cardinals go against the Rams. Another division matchup that we get to see for a third time. So what are you seeing for this one, Nathan? I I think this is actually the game of the week. And, uh, well, Cincinnati, uh, Vegas, Buffalo, New England, those games are going to be freaking amazing. But instead of the Dallas-San Francisco game, like people are looking forward to the NFC, I think the Rams-Cardinals game is. Now this, I, I think the Cardinals can win this game. I really, really do. You just don't know what to expect out of the Rams. Stafford in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, he obviously doesn't have much experience there. But, you know, neither does the Cardinals. So, this is a really tough game. Rams at home really haven't. There's really no home field advantage there. So, I don't think that has anything to do. This is basically a neutral field, in my opinion, because it's in a dome and both teams play in domes. 
Um, so I'm going to pick Arizona four and a half. Uh, like I said, I, I, I think Arizona has a chance to win. If they don't win, I don't think it's they get beat by more than four and a half points here. So Cardinals plus four and a half. For me, the Rams and Cardinals matchup, you have the inconsistent Rams who one week look like world beaters and the next week they just don't know what's going on. And quite honestly, they need to get closer and closer to being more dependent on that run game and having Stafford only making throws as needed and not always feeling like he has to be the playmaker on every play and has to go big or go home type mentality. You're not in Detroit anymore. You don't have to do that. You guys can march down the field. And that's been the one thing about the Rams that I've noticed more and more as we move along later in the season is they Stafford wants to be too much of a flashbang instead of just working his way down the field. And when that happens, that's where you get the high turnovers and that's where they're in holes and they have to scrape themselves out of it. And more times than not, they're not coming on the right side of that. So Stafford needs to take a deep breath. Just take what the defense is giving you. You have so much talent. You can succeed. You can move on. And I think the Rams are going to win. I feel like they have been going They've had better outcomes than the Cardinals have as of late. It looks like Hopkins is not going to come back. Kyler just looks like he's pressing far too much and not diagnosing the field very well. He lost against the Seahawks, who is easily the worst team in that division. Not to say they're a joke, but they're the worst team in the division. So you're coming off bad momentum. Yes, I know the Rams lost to San Francisco, but that's always a tough matchup. No matter where that team's, where either team's ranked, they, it's all about pride and everything like that. And, Generally speaking, when the Rams have lost, they come out firing and looking really good. So I'm going to bank on that. I'm going to say the Rams win. However, I do not think they're going to go over the four and a half. I think Cardinals do cover the four and a half in the end in that one. And those are our wild card picks for this weekend. With six games going on, there's going to be plenty of action going on. Easily easy to say that Cardinals and Rams will be the game of that night. But we'll see how the games turn out and which one was our favorite one. We'll kind of talk about that in the next episode. For tonight, we're going to call it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have been the Sports Forecasters. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll talk to you next time.